This is the Poo Shift Podcast, a broad look at the hospitality industry. What's happening, Poo Shifters? Welcome back to another special edition of the Poo Shift Shot. Um, this today is with Ian Thornton from BCRFA, the uh, Restaurant uh, and Food Services Association here in BC, just talking about what uh, BCRFA has been doing in the market, trying to get uh, the government plugged in and seeing what they're sort of working on a long-term plan. It was a really good chat, lots of information. Again, I'm just, just trying to like download as much stuff into everybody's heads as I possibly can. So I hope you gain value from this. Hope you enjoy this episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed all this week. It's been a great week this week. Um, I'll chat to you soon, guys. Keep your heads up, and if you need me, just drop me a message. Bye. Um, so, uh, yeah, so what I'm trying to do right now is I've been doing the podcast for about 15 months, um, and with all this sort of thing happening, with all the initiatives and all the associations doing so much right now in Canada, um, I'm trying to tape a podcast a day, which is a, a, a ton of work. Um, but I'm just trying to get as much information out there because I, I feel when I talk when I talk directly with the associations like yourself, um, it's a little bit more focused and true instead of yeah. every single website being posted on social media or on multiple pages and everybody going nuts over certain things and misinformation and all this sort of craziness, like I've heard, I've heard absolutely everything. Yeah, totally. And that's the biggest challenge right now is to, um, to center information, factual information, and then the business community can, uh, make the appropriate decisions. But, um, and that's exactly what we, we what our objective is, is to get very targeted on this. So mm-hmm. here's the tool. Here's how you use it. If it's not working, then we'll take it back and get it adjusted. Because that uh, that uncertainty right now, especially in, in the restaurant industry, is just is brutal, right? Yeah, it's. Uh, I spoke. To, I did a live stream yesterday with Trevor Bird from Fable. I uh, talked to Jeff from Able BC earlier this yeah. week. That was a good um, interview. Oh, thank you, thank you very much. It's 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 always interesting because I I feel like the hospitality industry is always sort of connected, especially these days when you've got social media and everything. Um, I'm sure you have the same thing as I do as you go to a show or a, a conference and there's so many people you, I, I put it in the commas, no, um, but you've never actually met face to face. So yeah, right. you sort of walk through a conference going, I know you, but I don't think I've ever introduced myself. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's nice to, to sort of get a nice candor going straight away. Um, which I think you, you can be sometimes be a hit and miss. I've been lucky enough. I don't think I've ever had a hit and miss one. But uh, so, so what I want to sort of do is like, how about you introduce yourself and sort of explain pre-COVID, which is uh, very interesting, what the BCRFA does. Okay. Um. Well, thanks, Sean. I, uh, I hang on a second. Let's just go back to and drop my. Um, first of all, is the sound quality all right, Sean? Oh, it's perfect. Like I can. Oh, it's it's good, and I can make it work. Okay, so Sean, thanks very much. Um, Ian Costinson here, I'm the CEO of the British Columbia Restaurant and Food Services Association. The organization has been around uh, over 40 years. It really has evolved. It's been through um, a, a lot with industry, um, and I think the defining purpose for us right now is to be um, an organization that's rich in very relevant resources and support as this industry faces its worst crisis in its history. 
and you know the abundance of information. I wouldn't want to be a small business person um, in this market right now, having to go to a government website or any website, frankly, and try to sort out what is and what isn't. Even mm-hmm. when we sort out the information, the execution of it is sometimes it, it, you know it doesn't work. It's just like the government is announcing things, and we'll take it and we'll translate it, and then the person goes to a- activate it, and they'll come back and say something like. Gee, that forty thousand dollar loan that I was able to, I was supposed to be able to get, um, it actually didn't work. So I've only been open for five months, like those technical yeah. things. So they don't have time to be chasing that stuff. That's our job. Our job is to chase the stuff, find it, get it to them, and and work with them to try to, you know, uh, a do basically three things: is protect where they're at today. Um, make sure that um, we put enough into their businesses that they can have a chance to reopen. The third part is is the reopening. So we're mm-hmm. working in all those fronts uh, with government. And, um, yeah, it's a real test of the organization. And, um, I, and I think so far it's so good. We, we've taken bcrfa.com and made it a resource uh, center for uh, people to go so they can, instead of chasing around, uh, to go into different sources and go to bcrfa.com and get the latest and break. And then at the, at the end of the day, everybody gets an email recapping what's going on. So, so far, so good. Um, yesterday, Sean, we did, uh, through Gordon Foods, we did a hundred restaurants, uh, webinar and, um, we put together a very tight presentation for them, which is, um, I'm happy to share with you when we get off this call, but it, it directs everybody on again the programs to uh, for relief for our industry. What's the general? Now, I've, I've obviously I'm talking to a lot of people, but you're sort of tapped right in there. What's the general vibe from restaurant tours? Is there is there panic? Is it sort of very emotional, or is some of them sort of focusing in on the on the business on how to to make it better for themselves right here, right now. Yeah. So contextually, um, there's 190,000 workers in the restaurant industry uh, across 15,000 restaurants, and they were all ordered to close. So right away, you're probably looking at unemployed numbers north of 170,000 people. Um, and a lot of businesses are now doing, uh, takeout and delivery, uh, and being very innovative around that space. But it's not that that revenue isn't enough to, uh, to make, you know, great differences, but it does provide some cash and it does provide some employment. So, um, you're seeing about 10% of the industry already has shut their doors and said, we're not coming back. Um, and, and they probably would have shut their doors anyways. Another 20% of the industry is saying, we're not sure it's going to be worth it, and we might just sort of fold our cards. So essentially, you can see, um, you know, 25% um, uh, loss of restaurant units in mm-hmm. British Columbia before we go. That's and it's substantial. But you know, I think as you know, Sean, that the economics of a restaurant uh, are marginal at best. Um, you know, they run about a four percent before tax profit. Mm-hmm. And they've had an awful lot of uh, red tape and taxation on them over the last several years with increasing minimum wages and employer health tax and property taxes and, you know, just everything around them. It, it just compressed the margin. So when you have this crisis, there's there's no there's no power. There's no mm-hmm. there's no ammunition left in the gun for them to do anything. So they're. 
Um, in answer to your question, it's a crisis and they're scared. And because we don't know the way out of this thing, we don't know whether it's in a month or we don't know whether it's six months. If it's six months, we have a big problem in our hands. Mm-hmm. Do you think it, I, like I, I have my own views and talking to general people, like I think 12 weeks still with the lockdown is definitely on the table, but the bounce back is going to be, it's going to be this time next year before we start seeing like a real return to, to true form, to true, true normality. Yeah. And, and that's a consumer confidence thing. Um, and you remember mm-hmm. back in 2008, that was a financial crisis. Um, this is a health crisis. There's still lots of money in the system. I know that it's going to cost a pile of money to do this. Um, but uh, you're right. I think it's a question of when you get the all clear signal, um, are you sure? Like it's yeah. going to be, I don't know. I, uh, I'm i now kind of nested into my food delivery um, at my house. We were able to work with Able BC and Jeff and ourselves to uh, get the government to do alcohol delivery now with food mm-hmm. delivery, which helps. Um, and that's a tribute to the government, how quickly they work. But we're changing pa- social patterns here. Um, you know, um, we're working out of our homes now. So you sort of question the office space and you sort of go, you can have restaurant parties on Zoom. So there's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things here that that have been maybe so disrupting, Sean, that the contraction of the industry is necessary to, to you know, to be... Uh, what it eventually will be is I think a lot of people will, will do a combination of things versus where we came from only a month ago, right? A month yeah. ago, we were flooded in restaurants and going out for lunch. I think that's going to be, to your point, um, it's going to be a while to, to restore that to whatever level it's going to be, new, the new level of normal. Do you think the, the current state with online ordering and takeout and delivery was an inevitability for the industry? Um, in, in the next two to five years with consumer consumer convenience being paramount right now, do you think – I've heard a lot of restaurants before this sort of pushing back on Skipper Dishes and Uber Eats and stuff like that, which I understand why from a pure financial point of view with the, mm-hmm. the fees and stuff. But consumer convenience can't be denied. And I think – do you feel like it's pushed a lot of restaurants that have been sort of trying to hold back onto the past sort of mentality – into the future much faster than what it would have if we, we, we kept this on normalcy. This would have happened two to five years' time. <clears throat> yeah, the, the home, home delivery model was, was increasing uh, uh, over 20% annually, so it was, it was taking getting traction. Um, my own personal views of why that is, I just think that it was, um, um, you know, suddenly now the, the array of offerings was expanded. Um, you know, it is not cheap. I mean, you, you, you pay even as a consumer, you know, by saying pay delivery and tip and stuff, but uh, it's a convenience factor. It's also the fact that I can actually have a nice meal and enjoy a couple of glasses of wine and not worry about driving or being caught mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, I did feel that and we took a really strong stance to get ride sharing into British Columbia and soon to be hopefully in Victoria. Um, that would really help that. Uh, and I think it will a bit, but I just think, yeah, it's like the world of Netflix, Order your white spot Joey Earls, whatever, for, or your local, hopefully your local restaurant down the street, and hang out and have some people over. Uh, it's it's a pretty compelling proposition, <laughs> and I think you're right. I think this has advanced that whole uh, the model now. Uh, what we're seeing, 
uh, just sort of, you know, to what your point is, we're seeing commissaries now popping up where people mm-hmm. are developing their own brands, like Sean's Burgers, Sean's Gourmet Burgers, available exclusively, right, with special mm-hmm. sauce. Uh, and you have it done the commissary, you get a delivery company in your own business. Yeah. So with talking about like brick and mortar stores and stuff, um, are you speaking through the government or are you sort of, sort of being a more, a bigger voice for landlords, um, or restaurants speaking to landlords and landlords coming on board and finding a happy medium? And I think insurance companies, which I don't think a lot of people are call, talking about right now is a, is another aspect because I, I know a lot of restaurants who have had, um, uh, disruption in service insurance and the insurance companies are saying no you're still doing takeout you can you don't get any payout if you're still doing takeout are you are you sort of pushing the government or pushing as a voice or an association um for landlords to come to a happy medium with the tenants yeah i mean it's it's each one of those uh leasing agreements are so individual and it's hard to um and then, of course, you get into the whole thing about you know, the landlord probably has a mortgage and he has maintenance, mm-hmm. and so it's, it's really messy. All we can do is um, what we worked here is for industry to uh, early in the game get to your landlord and tell them exactly what, what your situation is, give them some advance warning. And then on the other side, uh, it becomes a liquidity issue is mm-hmm. that with no money in the bank, um, the government is now flowing money through. Uh, so I think the $40,000 loan uh, that uh, was announced um, was designed to help that. So they go to the bank. It's, it's guaranteed you can get the cash to help you through, you know, the next couple of months uh, for your lease pay or your, your, or your rental. Uh, the problem is it, it needs to be adjusted because it only it qualifies businesses of a payroll of a million dollars. And so mm-hmm. we're, we're trying to go back to the government and say, change that quickly and make sure when you tell the small business guy that goes into his bank to get the 40,000 that you, that it's, it's almost immediate. It's not like, well, we'll get back in a couple of weeks and check on mm-hmm. creditworthiness. So that's the angle we're working on that. Um, and the, the other angle, of course, the government did a good job, I think, immediately, uh, with the adjustments they did on the EI program. Mm-hmm. Uh, for laid off workers and also on the, um, the program, even for contract workers to access $2,000 a month. Um, every business owner that I've talked to, the first thing they said when this hit is there, a lot of them were almost in tears and they said, I just want to take, make sure my employees are taken care of. That was mm-hmm. the very first thing they did. So now it's, it's, it's now the focus that we have with government, uh, provincially and federally, but you know, more provincially is, is, Trying or making sure they understand the gravity of the situation, that um, we were the first ones to go down. The incredible employment attached. Just in, if you look at hotels and pubs and restaurants, you're looking at 250,000 people in the province. And is and so how do we get this back up? And it, it, a lot of it's going to be liquidity. A lot of it is is um, I need to pay bills now. Mm-hmm. I need to pay bills that I had going into this thing, which will be your food suppliers. And then it's going to be, I need money to buy food. So there's uh-huh. a whole lot of things that we have to help figure out here. And um, if we don't do that, uh, if, you know, I say we, you know, if the government uh, doesn't do that for industry, the casualties will be massive because there's just there's no cash. I mean, you know. Do you think the government – sorry, you go. Keep going. No. Well, then I guess I think they're going to have an awful lot of empty um, – Empty buildings that used to be restaurants, right? And probably no one to rent it. So the, the cascading effect is what we're trying to avoid here. 
Yeah, I've had a few people like I've I've mentioned that landlords and and restaurateurs and operators need to work together. Um, and people are like, oh, screw the landlords, they're going to get a bailout from the government. And I'm like, well, no, we're all in this together. Like, empty, it's a it's a dropping a, a rock in the in the middle of a pond. It gets it gets bigger and bigger and wider and wider as it as it drops out. And I think, uh, what's your opinion on? Do you think the government is really beginning to understand just how impactful and absolutely behemoth the industry of hospitality is um, in the way of how many people are employed. Um, I feel like sometimes, and you can probably speak to this, I I feel like sometimes the numbers that come out of what the hospitality employs and all this sort of stuff isn't including the the student who's in the university working three dishwasher shifts every two weeks to support himself or herself. do you think the government's starting to understand and realize just how big our industry is on a sheer volume of people employed in it and money being made by it? Yeah, it's, you know, a month ago, um, I think we all took these things for granted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we'd be talking to government about, gonna, you know, gonna back off on all these fees and taxes and everything going up and up and up. And they'd go, yeah, and they, for some reason, I think government sort of felt that business any government, you know, has the capacity and the economy is strong and they have the capacity to pay for these things. Now, I think it, the stark reality is when you look at, um, you know, that's my estimate, but I, I don't know how it could be any less than 170,000 people overnight mm-hmm. lost their jobs. And they're, and you're right, they're students. There's a lot of youth in that um, anyways. About 25% of the workforce is youth. Um, in in one out of five cases, it's a, it's a person's first job, and so the entry point with restaurants suddenly you go, wow, these guys are a really important industry, and not only that, but as you know, these servers, even though they're getting EI, that's that's a fraction of what they were actually making mm-hmm. when they uh, take into account gratuities. That's another big problem. So even though we say we've you know our, our workers are getting EI, um, they're not they're not making gratuities. And that gratuity was, you know, helping them do tuition and helping them do all those extra things in, in, in expensive cities like Victoria and Vancouver. Um, so even on a social, for social reasons, you want to restore that to the best you possibly can, because I don't know where you can ever, ever find those kinds of jobs for people in the future if that whole sector was to significantly collapse. Mm-hmm. And it's not just here. I mean, it's everywhere. You know, if you look at the uh, devastation in the United States, I, I think uh, I think the restaurant industry, the president was saying, was the third largest, no, second largest employer in the U.S. next to the U.S. government. Wow. So, and he's had all the restaurant uh, brand owners into the White House trying to figure it out because of the impacts. And, you know, it, and it, it, it cascades into our local wine industry. And we were on the phone this mm-hmm. morning with, uh, craft beer guys in BC that that basically were making draft beer. Uh, they're you know out of business right now, mm-hmm. and our local food supply because restaurants were uh, highlight that the whole local movement, which is going to become even more important. So, you know, for the you know, I think I think there is a portion, Sean, of the industry that needed to be clipped. Unfortunately, there are some people in this business that probably shouldn't be there. They got in for the wrong reasons. I know there's mm-hmm. a, a business that opened in Vancouver. And uh, they were a beautiful family from Iran, but they, they opened a restaurant because it was part of their immigration mm-hmm. responsibilities. And they had to invest $400,000 in hiring oh. people. 
And I tried so hard. I really, really love these people. I thought I tried to convince them to do another model. This is too risky. No, no, no. My mom's got the great recipes. Well, they're out. They're, 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 and she texted, or she texted me, I guess, last week. Because where, where do we get help? And I'm yeah. thinking it's gone, right? So that's where you don't want to be. What you want to be is good operators that understand how to purchase, understand ratio, disciplines and ratios, and get into the business and provide a great social experience. Because you know the kitchen, uh, the kitchens of a lot of condo owners in high density cities like Vancouver are restaurants. Uh-huh. <laughs> you go down from the condo and go to a restaurant and eat your dinner. Uh-huh. So, yeah. Do you think this is going to give a certain, like, to try and find a silver lining? I've, I've talked to a few people about this one. Like, uh, to give a bit of a silver lining on the rebound, do you think this is going to reset the industry to a degree and mm-hmm. uh, sort of re- repopulate our staffing pool, especially in the chef's category, um, with these closures? And hopefully, if people come back to the industry, um, do you think it's going to reset the industry to a degree? In pretty much every facet I've heard from ABC, some of the legislation that's coming down the pipeline, um, do you think it's going to give us sort of a, a two steps forward, one step back reset to the industry in BC? Yeah, I, I think um, just in life will be reset and the way we mm-hmm. approach things. I think our value systems are going to be reset. Um, and I was caught up with like anybody else. I mean, you know, only four weeks ago, everybody's living a high life, right? There was no stop in it, and um, the issues we're dealing with were, were uh, marginal in comparison. And now uh, it's it's so serious, as you say. So we're going to come back with quality businesses that are stable, um, that are going to be a lot more bulletproof. Uh, we're going to be looking at governments now that are not going to be so inclined to start doing I don't want to say goofy things because some people object to this. Very important things, but doing it in goofy ways. Like, you know, we we spent weeks uh, in Victoria um, talking about the um, uh, the plastic bag ban, for example, was a good thing. But then there is this whole thing about deposits and then drive-throughs, and uh-huh. with government officials say, "Well, just use your own bag in a drive-through." Like that kind of thinking is like, "Hello." And uh-huh. how trivial are those things now compared to that business maybe gone now? So all that reset is going to be healthy. Um, there's going to be casualties, but I think it will regenerate itself in a much better way, in a much more uh, – it's everything is so jerry-rigged. Uh, you know, industries were uh, – and re- different governments keep sort of piling on different uh, uh, regulations mm-hmm. and approaches to business. I think that's going to be really suspect right now. I mean, can you imagine the government saying, "Okay, well, we're going to just get back and resume on the employer health tax and get back up on the uh, on the on the minimum wage and let's bring back the uh, carbon tax?" And people go, "Hang on a second, I just I'm in so much debt right now, mm-hmm. and I'm trying to get out of that, and now we're going to get into that." So there's going to be a reset for sure. Um, but I think that naturally, um. This reset will probably be taking more responsibility for the things that government's trying to do. Like we'll probably, you know, everybody's going, "Wow, look at the environment! It's like healing because we're not driving mm-hmm. around so much." Those sort of things, I think, will have, you know, will have a a real profound effect. 
Do you think with going to the tourism sort of sector, I, I always personally feel, and you may correct me on this one, I always feel like your, your DMOs, your tourism marketing organizations and stuff, hospitality and, and restaurants and bars are always like a, a redheaded stepchild. Um, it's hmm. always about the hotels. It's always about the cruise ships. It's always about the, the big, tangible, chunky portions of tourism. And hospitality is always sort of like, I know I know a, a number of D, like DMOs that don't have a, a hospitality or a food and beverage chair. Like they have three chairs for hotels and a chair for the cruise ship terminal, but then no hospitality chair. Um, do you think that uh, restaurants and bars now are definitely being plugged heavier into the tourism model? Um, because especially Vancouver and Victoria, where restaurants uh, are sort of the if if the cruise ships get you there, the hotels put you up, restaurants are the lifeblood of those two things. Do you think it's going to change a lot of people's uh, perceptions in the in the tourism industry? Yeah. Um, but I kind of understand where you're going with this one. I think the, the restaurant industry will now reset itself into more of the domestic market, and I mm-hmm. think it'll serve its own intra-tourism. I think that for the next mm-hmm. little while, we'll be, we'll be traveling around uh, British Columbia when we can and supporting each other. Um, and then I think what will happen is instead of having some reliance, like I remember when we were in Victoria, this was, this was hitting, and, and remember the conversation was about, well, the cruise ships, yeah, they have some problems, but they should be back by July. And mm-hmm. I'm going, that was like five weeks ago we were saying that. They're not coming back, I don't think, for uh, probably, you know. Well, the point was is that so many of the businesses in Victoria are relying on those cruise ships. They're built mm-hmm. for that business, right? So you take that business away, those businesses go away, and then they'll reformulate around whatever the demand is for the domestic audience. And then as tourism, which I think will take uh, several years to get back, um, then they'll start to develop our industry again. But it's going to contract. There's no reliance on tourism. I mean, who's going to travel the next year, you know, Mm -hmm. from a a global perspective? So do you think that's going to change you? We've talked about consumerisms and stuff. Do you think that overall, because I feel like a lot of the times we as an industry get into our little social media bubble, like because social media is consumer facing, everything we see is sort of reassuring us and, and propping us up on what we're sort of, uh, what we're doing is correct and that sort of thing. But in the grand scheme of things, do you think consumer and guest education um, on the struggles of the hospitality industry um, that we're having right now, do you think that's going to become a, a bigger portion of actual education for a lot of these people who dine in restaurants but don't really know the, the economics of restaurants and, and bars? Yeah, and, you know, we are uh, very prolific in the media, and our strategy has always been uh, don't be complainers and whiners and leave that stuff in the background and deal with government. <laughs> Because we're hospitality and we are very adapted getting through situations, which we are. Because if this is a, this is thousands of entrepreneurs that do a great job of what they do. Uh, the problem is now it's exposed, right? The, um, you know, we expose everything. We expose the small margins now. It's believable. Um, publicly we'll start seeing places closing because they said, boy, they don't have any cash. There's no stain power. And banks aren't particularly fun. Uh, we don't find us fun to lend to. And they're going, I've talked to everybody. said, oh, my daughter worked there and my son works there or their friend worked there. And then you know what? They all worked in a restaurant. They don't have a job anymore. So totally the public is going to be much more aware of, of, um, 
uh, of this economics to the restaurant industry. I think it was taken for granted. But I never felt you wanted to hear us on CFAX radio bitching and complaining about mm-hmm. uh, our poor margins. We go, seriously? How, you know, how can they have poor margins? You're selling a ball of wine for 40 bucks. And yeah. The steak was 45 bucks, you know? It doesn't make sense to the consumer, but but now I think they understand what the problem was a bit more. Well, yeah, I've talked about uh, restaurateurs and and people in the industry being a little bit more vulnerable and being a bit more authentic about the struggles because I think uh, as a as a restaurateur and industry person, you sort of put your brave face on. So you get into work in the morning and the toilet's blocked and you're going to do some accounting, your cash flow is yep. at the yang this week. But that service that night, you're still a smiling, happy face at the front door. Um, yeah. I think industry yeah. vulnerability is a great thing right now. Yeah, I do too. Um, and you raise another interesting point at um, uh, how a, a business owner uh, in the restaurant industry is uh, is a marketing professional, is, is a financial professional, is a lease professional, HR professional, food professional. There's all these different disciplines, and if done right, it works. Um, and not to make, you know, uh, for anybody listening to this, there's there are some there's some, there's many 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 great operators out there that know how to operate and make a business work. They, they're disciplined on their cost structure. They're disciplined on their menu offerings. And um, and those are the ones that will come back and survive. Uh, if providing that we flush, I mean, you know, flush cash into the system because it wasn't their fault they had to close. And I think uh-huh. there is a responsibility to put cash in their hands to make sure they can hold on for three months and get back to normal. Even even looking at um, you know we talked with the government, Sean, about uh, the word deferral. We wrote the premier that uh-huh. this happened. Uh, Jeff and I actually, and, and Ken Beater, the craft brewers, we wrote a letter and said to the premier, we need to defer this and defer that. And then we now we're saying, you know what, we can't defer anything. You can't walk back in to open your business and go, boy, I, I, I owe all this money. Uh, I haven't paid my food supplier for my order from three months ago. So we have to figure that kind of stuff out. It is going to have to be in the way of um, of uh, grants. It is going to have to be in the way of cash injection or 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 forgivable loans, but we can't load up this industry and say, well, the way to get to you, Sean, is go get a loan uh-huh. and then um, and then just max out your credit cards and do everything you can, and hopefully it's going to work out for you. It's not going to work out for you. We're just going to postpone the inevitable. So there's got to be a way to to put unencumbered cash into the system that um, is going to allow you, and so it should be, uh, and you know, or to reopen your your place and get going here, and and uh, be back in society from an, a good employer point of view. And I know you're a busy man, so I don't want to keep take up much much more of your time. But as a as a long game, I think a lot of people are asking me right now, like my clients and friends, restaurateurs and stuff, about like what the macro outlook is looking like. And I'm I'm focusing on the micro things, like turning inventory into cash flow and that sort of thing. As a as a president of an association as large and as um, expansive as yours, looking after so many people, what what is what is the association's sort of standpoint on a long term game plan to to get a light a light at the end of the tunnel? Um, the short term is, is liquidity in, in cash, and the long term is to let these businesses be their businesses and have them. With a very clear runway that's that's not interrupted, so they're not you know um, we're going to have to be a little bit 
honest, I think, in terms of wages and those kinds of things, because it just, you know, we just can't keep leveraging business up to pay for those kinds of things. So it needs to be a long-term platform of leave them alone, let them be very disciplined and operating within, you know, health, um, you know, social policy, um, public policy for the betterment of that, but let them be. And, um, you know, and, and when we say to government now, uh, gee, property tax is becoming a real issue, pay attention. Or, um, yes, we want to pay our employees, but you're going to have to let the market maybe decide that a bit more than you arbitrarily just saying we're going to put it to $15 on what mm-hmm. because who, 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 you can't make that judgment now in Sean's business. Only Sean can make that judgment because you have no idea what he's taken on here to reopen. So I think, it's going to be a lot more of that. I think associations are not going to be membership based. I think they're going to have to be funded uh, somehow through, you know, if, a, if there's licensing schemes for liquor, maybe a portion of that goes to fund uh, mm-hmm. organizations. Um, if the organizations are needed because I'd be chaos right now without them. But, you know, am I going to send a bill for $350 yeah. to a restaurant saying, hey, I know you're having problems right now, but can you pay your invoice? Like, that's not yeah. going to work. So uh, I see that's the long term, and I think it's going to be a really tight industry. I think it's going to be, um, <laughs> you know, restaurants, um, if you open a restaurant beside a guy in, on the same block and has a restaurant, they don't like each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's competition taking away from me. Uh, you're going to see a lot more collaboration. Uh, you're going to see a lot more honesty, whereas, you know, uh, you ask a restaurant or how's it going, is ah, no problems, right? Well, you know mm-hmm. that he's got problems. But it's mm-hmm. a pride factor. But you're going to see much more honesty and collaboration. And I think we'll be able to build a foundation that's a lot more solid and able to withstand the next crisis that we have invariably down the road. Uh, it was a bit jury-rigged, to be quite honest with you, Sean. Mm-hmm. And I think that this will, this will re- as you say, a great word is it's just going to reset it all on a much more solid footing. Amazing. Well, I really appreciate your time, and I know that you're in and out of meetings and you're doing so much yeah. work, and I, I appreciate yourself and, and BCRFA and everything that you guys have well have done in the past, but really are putting the mechanisms in place now to make it all happen. Yeah, you know, I, and I appreciate that. This has a bit, been a bit philosophical, but that's kind of what it is, because you're trying to, as someone said, there's nothing in the last hundred years that has, that has prepared any of us uh, for this. And as I said to our team, um, we will be judged and you will look mm-hmm. back and I want you to look over your shoulder in time and say, you know what? We did the greatest job we could for industry to get them stable because that's our responsibility right now. And, um, so, and we will, that would, that commitment is, you know, uh, you know, that is our commitment and that's our job. We have to get that job done. Um, I will say BC, I will just say this, bcrfa.com is a great resource for uh, people that want to go. It's updated literally every hour in terms of, um, you know, what the business owner needs to, to do to take care of himself and his staff. And um, I can be reached. My cell number is 604-986-1429. If anybody needs to talk to me personally, um, we can handle it. We've got HR uh, and, uh, an advisor to help businesses through that side. So I think we got it all covered. Just, uh, I really ask industry to reach out and, um, and ask us for the help that they invariably need. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Ian. Thanks, Sean. Thank you. Have, Have a good weekend. Day. You too. Bye bye. Bye bye. 
Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.